just feel like we're just going to be talking about E3 the entire episode. <laughs> no. we got to avoid it. we got to just avoid the topic. This is only a, a board game episode. We're actually, we're actually a company that makes board games. <laughs> yeah. I know it's hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> oh, God. Standing on a skyline Watching all the cars go So what's our uh, episode called this week? Uh, the last week's episode title sort of failed, so I couldn't come up really with a new one. We'll, we'll do it. Board <laughs> game the strikes, board game strikes, strikes back. back. <laughs> 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 I was trying to think of something cool. The reason I called last week's episode the name I did is because I had recently read one of Brenna's stories in the mm. storybook for Near and Far, and in the story you look for opals, so I called it a new opal. Yeah. But I didn't even say that the last episode. I, I, I didn't explain, explain it. it. It's okay. <laughs> so people were Just left wondering, go. is he mad? Is he crazy? <laughs> the what answer is, is yes. <laughs> A little bit of both. <laughs> yes. So what's new, guys? Not a lot. It's so all there's this, there's, this, there's this thing called E3 going I know. on. Yeah, we're, t- we're trying to avoid talking about it because then we'll only talk about this it. Is, this is a board game podcast. This is a board game podcast. This is a board game podcast. We have to move past E3. Well, no, I mean, we, we, I mean, no. we can obviously mention it, but uh, super excited for Zelda. <laughs> we're all just, the consensus is here at Red Raven that we're all really excited for the new Zelda, Zelda game. Zelda looks awesome. Detroit Become Human looks yeah. awesome. Tacoma looks awesome. You gotta love anything Hideo Kojima does. Yeah. And the <laughs> the Last Guardian, really excited for that game. Oh yeah. I yeah. played no, I've only played Shadow of the Colossus. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I played a little of the other one. Ico. Yeah. And I couldn't get into it. It was a little obtuse, it seemed like. It's kinda it, it is a little harder to get through because it's it's less direct on what you're supposed to do compared to like Shadow of the Colossus, where it's like you know you're supposed to kill these giant beasts, and I go, yeah. it's like I save a girl. <laughs> well, it threw me into this place, and I started exploring, which uh-huh. I need to just sit down and do that more. Yeah. And I was playing with my kids, and when we were playing Shadow of the Colossus, they liked that one. Yeah. Even though mm-hmm. they kind of get scared when the Titans come out, <laughs> but when we start, I'm like, let's try this one too. And we started playing it, and it's kind of dark and mm-hmm. weird, and yeah. they didn't really like it, so it it's, it's really Ico, slow. Ico would not be a fun game to watch, because it it's very slow, and it's all just exploration mm-hmm. of this strange, weird place. Yeah. Really interesting games, though. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not... I haven't played anything like them, so I like that. I mean, I could say maybe Journey is a little bit influenced See, by See, I never games. played Journey before. I hear it's really good, but I never played it. It's it's interesting. I, what it's, did you think of it? I didn't like it, which is controversial. <laughs> I and especially since I'm the big indie game person, like ev- like yeah. everyone loves it. I feel like it was really gorgeous. 
and it was beautiful. It was fun to play. I like a lot of the stuff they were trying to do with like the online mode and helping each other out and stuff like that. But I feel like their attempts at adding a linear story, but then also having it be a circular story with sticking you back to the beginning at the end really fell flat for me. I'm like, you pick one or the other. Oh, I see. There's either a linear story about how this civilization was destroyed or mm-hmm. it's purely just, it's all about the journey and we're going from beginning to end and then go back to beginning and et cetera, et cetera. You can't, you can't have it both ways. There you go, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very, with the game, I was very impressed when I first played it um, because, again, it, I had never played a game like it mm-hmm. and blown away by the look of it. It's crazy. How, how good some of it looks. But uh, yeah, I you know, when I was playing it, I was thinking, gosh, you don't really do much in this game except walk. Like mm-hmm. you pretty much just walk around and there's a little bit of flying kind of. And my favorite part is when you like ski down the, yeah, the, yeah. the sand. Mm-hmm. There's like this big hill that you... Yeah, that part's cool. cool, yeah. It's pretty cool. Back in the day, I remember when I was playing Final Fantasy XI, that's pretty much all you do in that game is walk. Oh around. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that game you walk is and you walk and you walk and then you die. Yeah, and, and you're then, like, and you're like, okay, I'll walk back to where I died. You lose XP, you lose levels, and then you're back in level brutal. five, and you're just like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> game is painful. Yeah. It is painful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, beyond that, I'm just gonna jump into a board game that I've played mm-hmm. a couple times this last week that I was really impressed with called Mombasa and it was by uh, Alexander Pfister. Really interesting game. I haven't been really impressed by a Euro game for a while and this one really impressed me. It's, where do I start? How how do I describe this? It's, uh, well, it's set in Africa, sort of in the uh, colonial, you know, the dark, the dark <laughs> colonial period where all these countries are, or all these lands around the world were getting colonized and used for their resources and the people there suffered a lot. And in the beginning of the rule book, it's interesting. It says, um, you know, this game isn't, isn't trying to glorify this period. It's just an abstract, you know, somewhat related game to this period where you're going through Africa and finding different, you know, diamonds and resources and stuff like Mm. that. And they say, you know, go read this book if you want to learn more about that, that period in history. Well, anyway, so, so there are these four companies that they're trying to expand into Africa and you're looking for resources and you're trading goods like bananas and, um, you know, you're trying to find diamonds and, uh, yeah, all this stuff. Anyway, the thing I like about it is, um, it's a stock game. So in the four companies, players have various amounts of stocks in the companies. Hmm. And the companies are expanding, so some are worth more than other companies. So there's there's like these little alliances that happen in the game and and you sort of work together against like another player that that it it, it sort of forces you into alliances. So like Two of us will be working on like the um, the Cape Town company, you know, and it'll be getting stronger, and we'll be fighting against the other player who's alone by himself, like over in the the Mombasa company, you know, and so our trade routes will be like pushing his back. So there's like a lot of direct conflict, which is why I like in mm-hmm. like I feel like in so many Euro games, especially lately, there's not enough like ability to mess with your opponents. And in this game, you definitely can. Like, you can s- totally... I was going to win the game against Mallory and my brother. <laughs> and uh, 
they right at the end they both ganged up and like like killed oh, my company. Oh, that's right. I mean, it's cool. It's not like it's it's unfair. It's just like there's just so the much planning and, and yeah, and, yeah. And like I could have jumped in on their company later, you know, and and helps them too. And so yeah, I like it a lot. It's got a really interesting act card action system too, where you place cards when you use actions like you have these cards that are your actions and you place them in a row below your player board when you want to use them and then at the end of the round you slide them up to the top and they stay in their same column and then at the end you have to pick up one of those columns you can't pick up all the columns so you have to choose where the cards are going so you pick up like the ones that you need mm-hmm. it, it kind of reminded me of city of iron to be honest because it has these tracks where you're like competing over goods and it has this card system where you're building up your deck but you don't get back all the cards at once you have to plan which cards come back to your hand so anyway I liked it. Nice. We'll have to play it here. How many yeah, stars do you give it? Oh, I... <laughs> as a reviewer, so the person who made the game could listen to the podcast and be like, that guy's an idiot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Respond and defend themselves. Yeah. Actually, I... Oh, boy, you just opened a camera. I know, I know. Oh, I'll just I know, edit this so out. No. Just take it out of there. No, no, it's okay, because I, I actually want to talk about this for a second. Okay, okay good. Um, <laughs> reviews. I want to talk about reviews for a second. I think number, I think number, like scaled reviews, are damaging to creative things. I agree, hundred yep. percent with that. Because only because, like, I catch myself in this habit where I see your review. First thing I do, I don't read the review. I just go down to the bottom the number and look at that number: eight out of ten, four stars out yep. of five, two out of three. That's that. That's what matters to me because I'm too lazy to actually read the like the work that somebody put into reviewing a movie or game or book or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think they're damaging, and this comes from a person who looks at Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard for me to separate myself from looking at the numbers, and like on Board Game Geek, it's all about the numbers. Mm-hmm. People are constantly talking about what game where the rating is on a game you know how good it is what the ranking is is it better than this game you know it's all about like comparison like is this better than that but i think that yeah when it boils down to that number i think it hurts the game it hurts the work that went into the game to be boiled down to something i get that so much comes out now that you need a guide to help you figure out what you want like you want to like wade through the slush yeah yeah <laughs> but i don't know brenna what, what do you think yeah i think it's generally more informative to like read a full article like a full review rather than to just look at the numbers because other people have different tastes than you yeah like there's plenty of stuff out there that will have will have atrocious ratings that i'll like really enjoy yeah and and my i would argue that a number would actually influence a person's enjoyment of a product yeah like knowing that number before they go in there that creates expectations oh totally i was i was thinking about this the other day so mallory and i went to the utah symphony and we um heard a couple pieces we really liked Mm -hmm. and when we were done i started talking about numbered ratings and um i said we we listened to this one thing and and we said wow that was amazing it was so good we really liked it and then i thought you know, what if I looked up, what if there was like a classical music rating website, (laughs) like aggregate website. And I looked online to see what it was rated. And I saw, oh, it it was only a 6.5. Oh, I guess it wasn't as good as I thought. Like it would hurt my 
enjoyment mm-hmm. of yeah yeah the pro of the of the music. Mm-hmm. Now there's nothing like that for classical music. I mean, what would the Mona Lisa be rated? You know it's what I'm saying? Probably like a like a seven. I like, would you rate it a seven or <laughs> yeah. like a six? Could have been bigger. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I just think it. I, I don't know. I I would prefer more of a thumbs up or thumbs down thing. Mm-hmm. If you have to do that, like a recommendation, like yeah, experience it or no, don't waste your time. I think yeah. like lists of ratings and stuff. I I don't know. Well, I don't know how much I, I like it. I. The way I look at numbered ratings and how I feel about them is the same I feel about listicles, articles that are just lists, like top 10 reasons why you should have a cat. <laughs> yeah. And they're just destroying the world of journalism because they make money because people can just go on there and they're like silly gifts or whatever. And it's easy just to read through them. And it's it's terrible when it comes to actual like writing like a, a substantial like journalistic article. It's all about that clickbait. Yeah, yeah. It, and that's another reason why people probably do the number of reviews because it is helpful and it's easy just to get that clickbait. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and here, okay, last last problem with I have with it, <laughs> uh, a review score of like one through ten is most of the time going to end up where seven. Yeah. Eight. What does yeah. that mean? It's like a six through, it's basically a six through eight rating system. Yeah, mm-hmm. people people are generally, unless they really hate something, not going to rank it below a five. And yeah, one through five is like, you hate it. Unless it's like, yeah, one through five, it's like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> but people are also reluctant to give it the highest scores, like nine or 10. Like they could be like, ah, oh, this was the best thing I've ever played. I had so much fun with this, Ra- rating this an eight, because like they feel like they have to save that nine or 10. Nine and ten. Yeah. Now that I've said all that, let me just say I think Board Game Geek is a great resource. <laughs> I think it's amazingly helpful for board games. I use the website every day, and I have for the last ten years. So no dissing on on Board Game Geek. So I really like mm-hmm. it, but I do feel that way about Board Game Geek was like this close and just like <laughs> banning you Ryan Lockett from ever yeah. doing anything on that yeah. site again. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, I mean I I really do love that website. So yeah. I need to go on them more often. <sighs> yeah. So, how's Near and Far coming? Pretty good. I've still been working on the rule book a lot. Yeah. Setting it up, like doing the graphic design for it and stuff, as well as writing it. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, painting the artifact cards. Uh, they look good. Yeah, oh, they're thanks. looking awesome. They look awesome. Hey, thanks, man. I was just running through them. Yeah, that was sort of the next step to to get this going because there are, I think there are like 50 or something like that and each of them has to have their own little illustration. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of little pictures in this game. There are so (laughs) many pictures in this game. Yeah. Like I I never played Above and Below. Is there just about as many? No, 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 it doesn't. Mm -mm. And like there are many buildings in that Mm -hmm. game, but a lot of them are like similar or i reused different assets so it was easier to make a whole bunch of different ones i will say the ancient world had a ton of art that i had to do i i feel like it was similar to the the amount of art i'm doing now yeah and the other thing is we've been playing a campaign yeah yep yep Mm -hmm. from uh, start to finish playing it all the way should we should we announce who's winning so far Regretfully, yeah, I'll give you three guesses. I have yet to lose a game. 
It's so frustrating because it's just like she just gets like the best cards. Just like oh, I just did this whole thing in one turn and I just won the game. Okay, Craig gave me a run for my money. Our last game though, he almost uh, he almost gained control of a faction that I needed and stole all my hard work from me, but he didn't. I stopped him. Because the problem is that entire game, I was rolling a freaking one i rolled like yeah, pretty much every time yeah every time i won and like the like the last turn to like regain control of a faction all i had to do was roll a two to win and i rolled a one <laughs> a one yeah yep so i kept uh my reign of terror going yeah. i've never seen so many ones rolled in a row uh, <laughs> i think you rolled 10 once it was it was really bad pretty ridiculous it was the the outlier (laughs) of rolling yeah pretty much so anyway it's cool to go through uh from start to finish because one thing we're experience experiencing is that you can buy skills for your characters Mm -hmm. so i mean we we haven't bought a ton at this point but so far my character has fishing oh yeah yep i'm good at fishing i also have fishing right (laughs) i have no skills no skills yet. <laughs> Just rolling ones. Yeah. He's saving Fishing. up. He's saving up his experience. Fishing ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you you gain experience as you play, and then you use that experience to buy these little skills that you get throughout the whole campaign. Mm-hmm. So fishing costs one, so it's super cheap. Yep. <laughs> There's one skill in there that costs seven, that's like really powerful. What does it do? So that one lets you um, build two camps in one turn. Oh. Yeah. So. Yep, that's but, so good. Yeah, I, you'd have to save up like uh, the entire. I mean, the, you could probably get it maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe like by map six you could buy it. Well, because like the the maximum, the maximum amount of experience you could get in a full campaign is ten. Yeah, I mean, I think technically you could get eleven because you sort of start out with like one. Mm-hmm. That's true. But yeah, it's that's really expensive. Yeah, but it's really good. So. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So that's so kind of what we've been doing. Like, if you decide that you're okay with losing the first seven games, <laughs> then you can dominate the last yeah. th- the last three. Exactly. Those are the ones that matter, right? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's get to the next section, which is questions. Ooh. Okay. Mirrorbox Games asks, "I want to know more about the making of Empires of the Void." Inspirations, the three-action turn, the world, and post-Kickstarter. Empires of the Void was our first game, and um, it's gone through a lot of development since I released it because I'm always working on it. But uh, yeah, Inspirations, I would say at the time I was playing a lot of Star Control 2, which is a really old video game. Yeah. Uh, I think it was released in 92. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was, uh, let's see, I was seven years old when that came out. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, in that game, you you have your own ship and you get to go exploring this huge star field. You know, you go all these different places. And and I really think, I I mentioned this before, I think that game was an inspiration for Mass Effect 1. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it has sort of a goofy sense of humor and and, and a kind of a fun, nutty, setting and i i brought a little of that to empires of the void so I, i'd say that that was one of the inspirations the three action turn at the time i was designing a lot of games with like action points and i think that was a popular mechanic like 
I don't know, 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems like these days games don't have action points as often. They more have like, there's like some kind of a- action card thing or action drafting. Deck building definitely like yeah. mm-hmm. Dominion sort of changed everything. So like you spend cards to do things or you claim cards to do things. I think in the new one, I'm actually thinking of keeping the three the the action point system. But I don't know. I'm I don't know. I mean, have you guys can you think of any games you've played with like an action point thing? I know that's that happens in video games too. Um I'm thinking of like Fallout had that same Fallout one. Yeah. Had like an action point. Fallout two had an action point thing where you move around. You can almost say like Final Fantasy Tactics has yeah, an action point. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna bring that up. That that that's something that's fairly common in like tactical type, mm-hmm. like fighting games. That you'll have, you'll have the like action points of what you can do per turn or whatever. Yeah, I think it's straightforward. It it it's like it allows like the player to know, like especially like new players, like this. I only have three actions every turn, and makes it pretty simple. And I think it it causes you to be more creative with what you can do rather than some games where you can kind of just you have you do an action and it ends up like becoming this title effect where you start doing one thing after another thing after another thing yeah and you get like eighteen thousand victory points and you win the damn game (laughs) (laughs) who would do that yeah that's true (laughs) but no it, it just makes the game just a little a little more clean i think with what you can do yeah that's true yeah i will say I, i've experimented with like action point systems where you i like i think i prefer a system where you get a list of actions and then you just get points and you yeah. can use those actions how you want or i like systems that are like that i've used systems where and it seems like it's been popular to use systems where you have a limited choice of actions and you pick one of them Mm-hmm. And lately, I've, I'm kind of leaning back toward you can choose any action. Mm-hmm. I sort of like the open feel, like choose any of these actions. You just have a limit of how many actions you get instead of like you have four actions to choose from. And, oh, you chose that one, so I can't choose that one. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a there's a definitely a, like a, a push and pull because giving players a limited number of choices makes I think make make the choices more interesting. So, yeah, action points. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, post-Kickstarter, you know, that was our first game. And it it did as well as far as I know. I mean, (laughs) it was like a new thing. Now, the funny thing, I just want to mention this really quickly. At the time when I did the Empires of the Void Kickstarter, it raised $30,000 somewhere around there. And it was in the top 10 most funded tabletop games at that point, which sounds hilarious now yeah. because yeah. raising $30,000 is like on, on Kickstarter, like so many games have done that. And the top 10, the, probably the lowest in the top 10 is raised like over a million dollars. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was back when Kickstarter was just taken off. It was just a little baby. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. And then yeah. you skipped the world. Oh, the world. Well, I mean, I'm talking a little about, bit about the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm I, a huge sci-fi fan. You know, I love that it had... I, the one thing I wanted to add to the game was I wanted the game to have tons of different 
aliens in it, like tons of different worlds. And, and I wanted each world. One thing I, I missed when I played some other spacefaring games is it seems like the worlds were just like barren rocks that had no personality. So in Empires of the Void, I made it so that each planet had its own alien empire with their own you know abilities and preferences and they had their own uh you know goods on that planet to add a little more flavor to the game okay next question uh michael newmayer i hope i pronounced uh your last name correctly asks uh any opportunities for those who weren't aware of the kickstarters uh to buy kickstarter content from above and below or islebound so we are planning to offer the above and below Kickstarter components in a future Kickstarter. They might, it's possible they'll be available in the near and far Kickstarter, which we plan to launch in July. So now's your chance to get those yeah. <laughs> because they are limited. You know, they're, they're not available everywhere. We, we sell them at conventions, but uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to have them available in, in the near and far Kickstarter. Yeah. And uh, since you mentioned conventions, Gen Con's the next big one we're going to. So if you're going to be there, you can pick up Kickstarter editions of Above and Below and Islebound there. Yeah, you can. And we don't have many Above and Below Kickstarter editions left. I, in fact, think this will be our last convention where we have them. Mm. So run to so that move booth on fast. That fast. <laughs> you know, move on that quickly. And a lot of, a lot of people want to meet me, so I'll be there too. Well, and we're gonna. <laughs> Craig will have his own table. Yeah, I'll have my own table, little, like pictures, and like I'll sign them with like an assistant. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we'll fanning you. Yeah, Craig and I will sign photos for oh, five dollars yeah. each. Uh, <laughs> no, but we're also gonna have a lot of other exciting promos and stuff at Gen Con, so definitely you'll want to stop by our booth as early as you can. Yeah, yeah, we should make shirts. We actually today ordered shirts, oh, and we will yeah. be selling them mm -hmm. at the booth. Oh, oh dang. Yeah, yeah yes. we'll be wearing them. They're pretty awesome. They're like red, totally red with like the Red Raven logo mm -hmm. on them. They're they super look really cozy cool. too, I bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100% cotton, yo. I actually don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, we're getting... We'll find out. <laughs> they might be made of burlap. I'm not sure. <laughs> we're getting t-shirts and also special Red Raven tote bags. To oh, carry yeah. your games in. We should make Red Raven like figurines. Like the Raven like symbol, just like this Raven's like, ah. Oh, yeah. 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 And then like, when print you... us up some Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. And then like when you put it on the game, like the game releases <laughs> new downloadable content. <laughs> you have to buy the special Red Raven reader to connect to the game. And if you act now for an extra $20. <laughs> Yeah. You can get the exclusive red R Ryan Rocket Amiibo to yeah. go with your games. Yeah. <laughs> Limited, only available at GameStop, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Power to player. Yeah. Yep, there you go. Okay, now it's time for the game development tip of the week. The tip, tip, tip of the week. There we go. I was piano there. Nice. <laughs> so the tip of the week is this. Use theme to make the game easier to learn. So what does that mean? It means that when you are designing the game, the theme should interact with most of the mechanisms because it helps players understand easier when they're trying to grasp the game. When we were learning Mombasa the other day, I feel like the game is fairly thematic, but there were a couple things that just they don't really make sense. And every, every time that you run into something like that, it's a hurdle that the player has to jump over. So like, for example, so let's say you're, you're playing a game where you have little ships 
and you're going around an archipelago. Let's say it's Islebound. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the game, you start with a certain speed so your ship can move too. And one of the things in the game that you can do is you can recruit new crew members and add them to your crew, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they have different abilities. Like, what are some of the abilities you guys can think of? Uh, I think one of them was like obviously hands and like the reroll a die. I think what was one of them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For combat, for diplomacy combat. easier. Yeah. yeah, and one of them is a skill that lets you move your ship faster. So on the the character, there's like a little wave symbol, and it means that when you add that character to your ship and they're on deck, you get to move plus one. It's it's easy to think of like, oh, this character is good at sailing, so when I add them to my ship, of course, you know, we'll go faster. Mm-hmm. And like the the characters, yeah, they have different skills. Like some of the characters, like there's one I can think of with a sword, and that character has a reroll when you're fighting. I tried to put the characters that were good at fighting had like were holding like a weapon. Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure if I did mm-hmm. it every time, but so so things like that help players learn the game easier. And and the more abstract elements you add to your game, like the more hurdles they're gonna have to jump over, or more, or, or if you use like weird terms for the game, it's it's another hurdle the player has to jump over. So, you know, as making a game more thematic actually makes the game easier to learn. Yeah, I agree. So there you go. All right, I think that's it for this week. Kind of a short. Uh, Shorter, not short. It's a little shorter. Shorter than last time. (laughs) Shorter than last time. Slightly shorter. (laughs) Slightly shorter than last time. We didn't get too sidetracked by E3, so good job. We we tried really hard to remember that we're a board game podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, board game. But, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future we will make a video game. Red Raven video games. Yeah. Making probably point-and-click RPGs. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Something like that. But actually, it's been my dream to always... uh, it's always been my dream to make a video game, so I'm going to do it at some point in my life. Awesome. What's it going to be called? <laughs> it's going to be called um, Cat Map Near and Far. Near and Far, colon, the Cat Map. Cat Map Adventures. <laughs> yeah, so I know we've talked about this before. If you want the Cat Map to be a thing, you got to tell Ryan so we can make it into a thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You gotta start. Gotta start those social media campaigns yep. to get the cat map. Hashtag cat map. Cat map. Meow <laughs> <laughs> and far. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. Please visit our website redravengames.com. Also, you can uh, visit our Twitter at redravengame. Just the one game. Just the one game. <laughs> or and you can follow my personal Twitter at Brenna underscore Aspland. Yep, and make sure to uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever this podcast might be. Might be in like some weird Reddit and, website. And give us those terrible, terrible starred reviews on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, like or great. I mean, feel or great. Free, feel free to give no, us. No, I mean good reviews. Good reviews. <laughs> I just mean the whole oh, number oh, of stars number of is. Stars. The ter- yeah. We discussed oh, that earlier. I'm, I'm... But give us five stars. First you person know. to comment. We don't like the numbers, but give us five. <laughs> First person to give us a review on iTunes, I'll give them an internet high five. <laughs> that I'll, is, yeah, yeah that's, I'll, not, that's some nice stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll specifically do it like this. You could hear it hit the microphone, so you just put your, have to put your hand against the phone or whatever you're listening to, and then it'll, you know, it'll get there. Yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, now that I've said, now, now that I've gone on my score rant, I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> <laughs> Five out of ten. <laughs> Five out of ten. Okay, thanks everybody. Bye. Bye. See ya. All right. Woo. <laughs>
one day you guys will defeat me and the podcast listeners will celebrate. <laughs> yes. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> this next game. Yeah. <laughs> we should combine forces. Just. <laughs> your name is Meat. Just... Middle name Dead. Meat Dead. <laughs> Is super cool. Zelda. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, say something. Uh, that was Russian for I'm doing pretty great. My, Yet. <laughs> what'd you say? Oh. I, I, I said uh, I'm saying something. Spasibo. Uh, Placebo, got it. I know that one. Nice word I know. Nice attempt. (laughs) That's the only word I know. Nice try. Placebo. 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 Oh, placebo. Placebo. Like specific, but (laughs) placebo. Kind of. Placebo.